Well, isn't that awesome just to think that we can think about the Lord and just what He's done for us and that He is our hiding place. Um, he's our hiding place. He's the place where we feel safe, but in the very same way, you know, we are also His destination. We are also His place of arrival. Uh, the end goal of the gospel was that God would arrive in man and then have man share in the very quality of life that God possesses. Today we're going to start with Ephesians and we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 1. Now, I would just like to ask you in the beginning, just to excuse me, I, I'm still learning how to work this program. And uh, we're going to just take this step by step, but I trust this will go smoothly. So uh, we, let's look at Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to read from verse 1. Uh, it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are in Ephesus, um, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace be to you, and peace from God our Father, and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, <clears throat> according as He has chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself according to the good pleasure of His will. Let's just read verse 1 there again. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ. I want you to just focus on this word here. It says here, um, it says to the, uh, it says by the will of God. We're going to look at that, and then to the saints which are at Ephesus, and then we're also going to look at the faithful in Jesus Christ. So it is important for us to see that this verse speaks of these three things. Uh, in today's session, I'm going to talk about victorious living. And in victorious living, we need to understand that um, we, we or let me put it this way, in victorious living, we're going to look at the life of the Apostle Paul and how he lived in victory just at looking at these first verses written in Ephesians. So Paul comes here, he says, Paul, an apostle by the will of God. Now when we look at the will of God, what is the will of God? So many times we uh, think that the will of God is just this, um, you know, maybe should I buy this car? Uh, should I go to my job in the morning or the evening? Um, you know, uh, depending, you know, or a bit later, what kind of a job should I have? Uh, what kind of friends should I have? And what is the will of God? And we would pray and pray in tongues and wait for a sign and a prophetic word to know the will of God. But when we look at the will of God, according to Ephesians, we find that the will of God ends in us being united with the Father, sharing in His quality of life. And just the way you are sitting, listening to this message, I want to encourage you and tell you that there were people in Bible times that would go through hard times. There would people be people like the Apostle Paul, which was poor. He didn't have clothes, uh, proper clothes. He didn't have a lot of friends. At the end of his ministry, he had a young teenager that actually believed in what he said uh, called Timothy. Now, that is quite a thing to think that uh, a mighty apostle 
like the Apostle Paul could go through all those things. But there was something in the life of Paul uh, which was a revelation of this grace which we're going to look at today that caused him to say, yet above all these things or yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors. We are living above all these things even if we are in these things. Now what would make the Apostle Paul so, so happy? And we're going to see that from these verses. Let's look again at Ephesians 1 there. Um, this is what it says. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. And today we're going to establish that the will of God um, is having the fullness of God's life, you know, in human flesh, in Jesus Christ. To have the fullness of God's life in human flesh, in Jesus Christ. So by that will of God, you know, he says, to the saints. And let's just have a look at the word saint there. Um, here it is. It's the word uh, hagios, uh, which actually means an awful thing. Now, awful, is, <laughs> awful doesn't mean like a bad thing, full of awe, a thing that has awe. And it comes from this word, hagnos, or it can be compared to this word, hagnos, which means, and let me just um, look it up for you there, um, it's the same as that word, an awful thing, blameless, and, uh, or properly clean, that is, innocent, modest, perfect, um, chaste, clean, or pure. So here Paul comes and he says, to the faithful, um, to the faithful, you know, oh, so, sorry, uh, I made a mistake there, to the saints, to the saints and to the faithful. Now that is amazing when we look at that. He says, to the saints and to the faithful in Jesus Christ. Now, if you just think normally about this, to the saints and the faithful in Jesus Christ, the saints and the faithful in Christ. Um, aren't the saints the faithful in Christ? Just think a little bit about that. Aren't the saints supposed to be the faithful in Christ? So Paul comes and he actually uh, distinguishes between who are saints and who are the faithful in Christ. And if you say to the saints, comma, the faithful in Christ, then I would say, okay, the saints are the faithful in Christ, or faithfulness in Christ is what makes you a saint. But over here, it doesn't mean that. Because he actually says that those that don't fall in the category of faithful in Christ can be called saints. Now that is amazing. <laughs> Let's just look at that again. Uh, it, it is really, really powerful when we look at that. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints which are at Ephesus. So there are saints at Ephesus, which I believe does talk about the people in the church there. Um, and I believe can actually talk about more than that. And the faithful in Christ. The saints and the faithful. Now, something amazing about the word saints there. Um, is that it, it can be compared with this word here, which means, um, let me show it to you, uh, blameless or ceremonially consecrated. Blameless or ceremonially consecrated. It also can be compared to a Hebrew word, which talks about uh, what happens to the person when a sacrifice is given for him. 
So it talks about being cleaned or made clean or pruned by a sacrifice. So when Paul comes and he writes to the people that are not categorized as faithful in, uh, in Ephesus, he calls them saints. Man, that's amazing. So I want to say to all of you that are faithful, greetings in the name of Jesus. This message is for you. And if you are not faithful, I want to tell you, faithful to the gospel, which we'll get into, I want to talk to all the saints out there. And I want to tell you, you're a saint, for you have been sanctified through one sacrifice, and that is the blood of Jesus Christ. That is what has happened to you. That is what has happened for you. There's nothing you could do about it. As much as there was nothing that you could do about Adam sinning on your behalf and dumping you into a system wherein life is contained by your works. That's how little you can do about what Christ has done for you. He has taken away your sin. He has removed the law man from you. You have become dead to the law, for the law man has died. And now you are faced with a professional lover, if you can put it that way, somebody who's absolutely in awe of you, that loves you, that was willing to do everything possible to redeem you and give you life and life in abundance. And he stands on bended knee, proposing to you, saying to you, will you marry me? Paul comes and he talks about three things, the will of God, which we will be establishing today as having the quality of God's life in you. He talks about, he talks to the saints, and then he goes on and he also talks to the, um, you know, he he goes on and he talks about the faithful in Christ. Now, who are the faithful in Christ? The word faithful there talks about, um, you know, keeping to your, your part of a deal or to be faithful in a transaction. Now, when you are faithful in transaction, there were, we need, according to the Bible here, the transaction would be that which Christ has done. He's come and He has given us, you know, a, a joy for all our mourning, beauty for ashes. You know, He's given us righteousness for our sins. He's giving us life for our death. He's giving us uh, uh, peace for our stress. And that is the transaction that he was in um, and which he was involved in in when he gave his life for us. In the very same way, you know, we need to realize that the faithful in Christ are those who honor that transaction and keep inside inside the parameters of that transaction, which says, on account of him, I am righteous. On account of him, I am blameless. On account of him, I am a saint. On account of him... I have a place in the Godhead on account of the faith that he made available or the new way of belief. I can have his quality of life manifest in me. On account of him, uh, sin in the flesh has lost its power and I am now becoming enslaved to a system wherein the very life of God can manifest in me free from my own efforts or willpower wherein my life is not contained in the abundance of my possessions, but in my union with Him. Let us just go to the, um, you know, just to the next, to the next uh, uh, verse there. I just want to go through my notes quickly here and make sure I'm not missing anything. Uh, 
Oh my goodness, I don't know why this note, I opened the wrong one, but that's fine. Um, verse 2, let's look at verse 2. Verse 2 says, Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, just before I get in there, I'm reminded about the will of God. What is the will of God? <clears throat> we see the will of God in action in John chapter 4 when it comes to the woman that was at the well. She was a Samaritan woman, and the Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. The Jews uh, didn't deal with them. They weren't supposed to talk to them, and so much more not even talking to a woman. And here Jesus comes after a very... Um, hard day of work, walking, traveling, and all those kind of things. He becomes very tired, and he sat down at a well. He then sends his disciples, all of them, into the uh, 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 town to go and buy some food and stuff. And while he was alone there, there came a woman to draw some water, and he said, give me some water. You know, and then he says, and then basically asked her to, you know, to help him and just give him a drink. And then he goes and says, if you know who I am, you would ask me the living water and I would give it to you. Now what's amazing is that he could see in her heart that the prodding of the Holy Spirit was already to such a point in her heart that should she hear the truth, she would believe it. Now that is amazing. And he comes and he ministers to her. And after ministering to her, seeing life come to her to the point that she would go and not feel ashamed, go to the men that she, she had and um, share with them about Jesus and what he told her. Uh, you know, the disciples came to him and then gave him the food that he ordered. And then he says, you know, I don't, I'm not hungry. Now imagine this. He speaks to a woman that's been fully disqualified by the law that he could even talk to her. Uh, he speaks to a woman that's been disqualified by She's living with a husband. The man you have now is not your husband as, all, uh, as well. It's disqualified. She's rejected from society. He talks to her. He reaches far beyond what the law could ever reach. He touches her heart. He sees that she would be ready to believe the grace of God and the love of God should she only hear it. And he reaches out, touches her, and gives her new life. He was so, I almost want to say, obsessed with helping somebody and being good to somebody that when it happens that he basically lost his appetite uh, to a certain degree and then when they asked him for you know to eat then he says no I'm not hungry for I have food uh, that you don't know of uh, that I eat and they asked then they thought where did he get this food and then he said this is my food to do the will of my father so what is the will of the father the will of the father was to reach where the law could not reach to touch where legalism could never touch, to heal what legalism would kill, um, to accept what legalism would reject, and then to bring into unity that rejected um, a person with God, and so let that person share in the quality of God's life. The will of God, saints and faithful. Isn't that awesome? So the will of God is... If you are not in the category of faithful and he will reach to you and touch you right there where you are. Now, let's quickly go again to the verse there and we're going to read verse 2. Let's read verse 2 quickly. Oh, this is the problem. Sorry. Verse 2. 
grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. The word grace there, let me just show you. Many of you guys, you know, I think this is why we've got the screen recorder here that you can see where we get this stuff from. Graciousness as gratifying of manner or act, abstract, concrete, literal, figurative or spiritual, especially the divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in the life, including gratitude. Now, you know, um, the other day I looked at that verse and it says there, or the definition it says there, including gratitude. Now, I always thought that God will divinely influence my heart unto the manifestation in life and then He'll even give me the gratitude. I've preached that many times. Now, I see that a bit different now. Grace, and this is the way Paul comes and he greets the people. He says, listen, you saints, and he never forgets who man is on account of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He says, listen, you saints, listen to, uh, to me, you faithful. He gives the same word to the saints and the faithful. He said, uh, uh, grace to you and peace. Grace, the divine influence upon the heart. The God divinely influencing you upon your heart. And he will manifest it in your life. And he's even got gratitude in doing that for you. Uh, you know, that is awesome. You know, it is not just gratitude in our hearts, but there's also gratitude in the heart of God that he could reach to man and touch man. You are loved, my friend. You are cared for right there where you are. Maybe you're watching there with your wife uh, and your children. You as a family, you are loved. You are cared for. You are special to Him. And God, God's heart is flooded with gratitude to meet with you, to share His life with you, to look into your eyes and to see beauty and splendor. And, uh, you know, He adores you. Isn't that awesome? So He says, grace to you and peace from God our Father. Let's have a look at the word peace there. He says, um, the word peace... This is the word there, uh, to join, peace, by implication, prosperity, one peace, uh, quietness, rest, set at one again. So peace means to be set at one, to join together, to make one. Now that is absolutely mind-blowing to me. He comes and he says, just listen to the victorious life the Apostle Paul uh, lives. He comes and he could write to people that are not as faithful as what he wanted them to be and still had such victory that he could see them as saints. We even see that in 1 Corinthians 7 where he actually corrects people that live in fornication, that sleep with his own stepmother, uh, people that are sharing their bodies with harlots. And he says, don't you know that you are the temple of God? This Paul says in Corinthians to people that are busy sleeping with prostitutes. He says, don't you know that your body is a temple or the temple of God? So he didn't say God left them when they did that. He just says, your body is the temple of God. Don't you know that? In the very same way Paul comes here, he greets them in, as saints. He greets them as the faithful. It's beautiful for him to see it. He doesn't lose any 
a, a vision of who they are. He lives in such victory that his life is above the, uh, um, you know, his life is above what these other people actually live. In other words, they don't influence his life to the point that his life is born from their bad actions, but his life is born from the good action in Christ wherein he took away the sin of all people. Then he goes on and he says, grace to you, uh, you know, divine influence and gratitude, even in the heart of God, and peace to be joined with, to be made one with, to, uh, to, to, to join together. You know, isn't that beautiful? It says there, um, let us look at it again, peace. Pros it talks about prosperity, and then it also talks about, here it is, one, peace, quietness, rest, to set at one again. So what he does is, he says, I set at one again myself with you. God comes and he acknowledges the setting at one, the jointness there is between us and God. That, there, that we are not indebted anymore, that we don't have to live by the emotion of being indebted, but that we could have life and life in absolute abundance. Isn't that uh, just awesome? So this is what the Apostle Paul then says. So he says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Now what I like about what he, what he says there is, we see the foundation from where he lives. He lives from the foundation of a father and a son that is at one, that sees this peace to you, jointness with you, to set at one again with you. And this is what happened when Jesus Christ actually came and, and um, he appeared uh, in John 20, verse 20, and he showed his hands and he showed his side. He said, peace to you. I am set at one with you. I am in harmony with you. I'm one with you. If we can believe this, uh, a church of God, we will have our life available for more and more holiness and more and more righteousness. Now let me explain to you this way. Uh, when I went to uh, Singapore now, uh, I was just you know, so honored to fly business class and, and that was really, really nice. Now to explain to you how we give our lives for what is good when we see good is like this. You know, um, everybody says once you've flown business class or first class, you, you know that's the only way to travel. There's no other way, especially on the international long, long flights where you can actually get six or seven hours of good sleep in and, and all of those kind of things. Now, the more I experience that goodness, the less I give myself for the economy class. I don't want to fly economy class. I want to fly business class. Not because I think I'm the blessed of God, all those kind of things, but if you do 20 or 30 flights you know, in a row and international flights... It is very nice to do it that way. Not that I will do it like that every time, but what I'm trying to say is this, that once you experience that good, then you make yourself less and less available for what is not good. Um, in the very same way, once we experience this goodness of God, the love of God, we are much more open to be loved and to love. We find that our bodies are actually holy. We find that we are righteous. We find that as He is, so am I. And as that becomes a real truth in your heart, 
you find that you cannot give yourself for anything else. You cannot give yourself for gossip anymore. You cannot give yourself for fighting anymore. You know, like I said to one of my friends on Facebook, a pastor friend, I said to him, you know, um, you guys might, or some, some guys might want me to get involved in, in arguing uh, certain doctrines on Facebook. I, I don't want to argue anything anymore. I don't want to fight a certain doctrine anymore. I don't want to give my mind to arguments and quarrels and, uh, and, and that anymore. I want to give myself for that which is holy, for I am holy. You know, be holy f as God is holy. I want to continue in saying that, be holy for you are holy. Be righteous for you are righteous. Don't you know you are the very temple of God? And as we know this, we don't want to break people down. We don't want to argue and fight. All we want to do is just give what we believe, share the love of God. Those who believe it, you know, can have life. And those who don't believe it cannot benefit from that. You know, that is as simple as what it is. So here we see the Apostle Paul living in that victory. Let's go to the second last verse um, that I'm going to look at today. And this is going to be uh, verse 3. It says there, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we're just going to have a look at that word blessed there. Adorable. Adorable. That is absolutely awesome. Now let me read the word adorable to you. I don't have it, um, unfortunately... I don't have the word adorable on my... I just saw my uh, Webster's Dictionary doesn't work on this. I need to reload this. But this is the word adorable. It means worth, uh, worth of divine honors, worthy of utmost love and respect. So here, the Apostle Paul, after he said, grace to you, oneness, saints, and all these things, if we read the Greek, it actually then he explodes into joy. And this is what he then says. Then he says, blessed, blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Now, that word blessed means adorable, worth of divine honors, worthy of the utmost love and respect. Now, if you had a place in your life, my friend, where you don't feel that uh, you can say from depth of, depth of your heart, God is worthy of the utmost love and respect outside of just religious, uh, f uh, uh, you know, um, or religiosity where you say, well, I must just say this. Uh, if you can't say that from a revelation in your heart, please don't feel condemned. Continue to hear the good news. Just continue to hear the good news. As you hear this, you will find that your heart uh, will find enough evidence that he can believe this truth. And as you believe upon this, you will find that this revelation come where you can say, as the Apostle Paul says, uh, um, worthy of the utmost love and respect, you know, is the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who has done what? Who has blessed us? Then that word blessed there, uh, let me show you. Um, that word who, of our Lord Jesus, who has blessed us? Blessed be the God and the Father. You see 2, 1, 2, 8. And then who has blessed us? 2, 1, 2, 7. That word blessed means to speak well of. Um, uh, I think it was in Thyre. To praise, to celebrate with praises. To invoke blessings. To praise, to celebrate with praises. So here it says, Adorable is the God and the Father. 
of our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at the victory that Paul lives in. Adorable is the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has adored us, who has been singing our praises, you know, who has brought all these wonderful praises, you know. And let us just look at that again. It says, um, to pray, to celebrate with praises. So, here is the God and the Father who has celebrated our lives with praises. So God celebrates you, my friend, with praises. I said in the church this morning, imagine you walk in the street and you see a guy there and he's talking to somebody and as you see him and you just see there's something awkward going on, you know, or he's very happy, he looks joyous and as you go and you start to talk to him or you just start to look at him, you find, but this is actually Jesus. And you see that he is just talking to somebody and he's praising this person. He sings praises. He's, he's really talking well about this person. And as he talks, you think, what is this? You know, this is not normal. This is abnormal. This, how can somebody sing somebody else's praises like this? And then when you look, you see but he's standing in front of a drunkard. Now that is amazing. And that is what Paul is actually saying here. He says, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings. Now, what is that spiritual blessings? Um, that word blessings there, it talks about, uh, let me see if I can find it here. Here it is. I like this, this, this part right here. It says, find this course, praise, um, you know, fine discourse, polished language, Polish, polished language to speak a benediction or a blessing to, uh, of consecration, polished language. So here, here he says that God speaks of us with the highest, most polished language that could be found in the heavens. Now, isn't that awesome? Now, I want to go into the, into the next verse, but I think we're going to stop it here, and, and next Sunday we're going to get into more of this. So, I want you to take this home. Let's look at the abundant life the Apostle Paul lives. And the life he lived was a life which was so saturated with the finished work of Jesus Christ that he could call people that are not in the category of faithful saints that he could say the same message of grace and union from the Father towards you is true for the saints and the faithful. And then he goes on and he says, all of a sudden, let us adore with the greatest respect and love this God who sings our praises, you know, and speaks about us with the highest and most polished language you know, that there is in the heavens. And let us just quickly, you know, go to the verse 4 there. According as He has chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world. Now, that word chosen there, uh, and we will go more into this next Sunday, that word chosen there talks about speaking the original language. It means to be in line with the origin. That's what chosen means. So when we, he says, he has chosen us according to his plan and purpose. So what he says is that um, our God speaks of us with the highest and most eloquent speech, with the highest, most polished language. He sings our praises. And this that he's busy doing is in line 
with the original choice he made for us. Glory to God. Well, I want to thank you so much for watching today. I would like to pray for you and uh, pray for the sick. If you've got any prayer requests, please send it to us, uh, you know, so that we can, um, you know, pray for you. And we will, I believe we will see signs, wonders, and miracles happening. Uh, let us just pray for those of you that are in need and just for enlightened mind. Father, I thank you that I can just stretch forth my hands to every person that is watching. Thank you, Lord, for your love. Thank you, Lord, for your grace towards them. I thank you, my God, that you embrace them. I thank you, Father, that each one will know that he is a saint. I want to thank you, Father, that people will become faithful in this message. And thank you for strengthening people to become faithful and uh, strengthening the faithful to continue in their faithfulness. Thank you, Lord, that we can have a victorious life over what other people do to us, over uh, our situation, because we've got a greater reality and a greater truth to live by. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Now, I was just thinking about something before the service, and uh, maybe you can think of this. If you would like to send a testimony of what God's grace has done for you, I would like you to, you can just record it in an audio format on your phone. Just, a, just take an MP3 recorder, download an MP3 recorder from your app store or the Play Store. Record uh, your testimony, like, just make it like three, four minutes, not longer than that, and send it to us, and we will put a nice photo of you on and play your testimony, you know, next Sunday. So if you want to do that, that will be awesome. I think as a family, let us share with one another what God has done. And as the Sundays go on and as we see who wants to slot into this, uh, we're going to train up some people and we're going to really get involved in reaching the world with a message of God's grace. Thank you so much for slotting in. Let's listen to this song and then we will chat again next Sunday. <laughs> 